Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Unplug with Annie. Today, I've got Dr. Amy Shah on the show. She is a double board certified MD with a BS in nutrition from Cornell University and an MD with research distinction from Albert Einstein College of Medicine. She did residency fellowship in basic science research at Harvard Medical School, and she's gone on to do some wonderful, wonderful work in the nutrition space. Uh, She was named one of Mind Body Green's top 100 women in wellness to watch in 2015, and also named in Phoenix's Top Doctors magazine in 2017, 18, and 19. She's also been the guest on many national and local media shows and been a consultant to makeup guru Bobby Brown and many other brands. Um, her first book, Why the F Are We So Tired, comes out later this year. Um, so I'm super excited to have her on the show. I know we're going to get lots and lots of wisdom from her. Hi, Amy. Welcome to Unplug with Annie. I'm so happy to have you on this series. Thank you so much for having me. So, so you're in, we've obviously heard a little bit about you, but you're, you're, you really speak a lot about um, mind and body and sort of being healthy in, and not just internally, but externally. Um, how did you get into this space? What sort of sparked the passion for you um, to pursue this? Great question, Emmy. So I went through nutrition school. I went through medical school. I went through like fellowship and uh, training and hospital work and research. And I found myself in this place where I couldn't answer the questions that I had on my own health and no one around me could answer. It was like this dark place, both in my mind and my body. And I knew something was wrong. However, no one could give me answers. And so that was when I knew that there was something more out there. So I did what everybody else does, which is Google. And back then around seven years ago or so, and I wasn't really able to find good information at that time. The internet was full of all kinds of advice. And um, so I started doing my own research and I felt like if I could pull myself out of this dark place, Um, with my background and with my knowledge, then why shouldn't I share it with other people, which I know other people were going through this. And I was exhausted and I was moody and I didn't have the energy, didn't have the focus. I didn't, felt like my body was um, separated from me. Um, And I got all the GI complaints. So I thought it was maybe gut health. Then I was like, oh no, it's hormone health because my periods were becoming really, really um, heavy and my PMS was really bad. Then I thought, oh, it must be, you know, mind body because I'm feeling foggy and not feeling myself and really down. Um, But I realized it was a combination of those. So that's what brought me here. Wow. Wow. Okay. So what really fascinates me is you really, um, uh, on your social media, and I've been following you for a while, you, you really give a lot of importance to our diet and the way that we eat. And you talk a lot about intermittent fasting, um, yes. which I found like, I, I find very fascinating because I think I tried it at one point and um, I definitely felt more energized, but I, I came to understand by doing a lot more research in it that there's many, many ways of even doing intermittent fasting. So it gets very confusing and then you're sort of hoarded by opinions of some people saying that it's more beneficial for men as opposed to women. Is there a right, most effective way of doing intermittent fasting? 
Okay, so you know that there's never one right way of doing anything. Right. And I agree with you. Most of these studies are on animals. And if they're on humans, they're mostly on men. So how do we really know that this works for women? And I myself, when I was experimenting on myself, when I was in that dark place, and then with other people, when I do it on my patients, I realized that women are not responding the same way as men. And there are things that we need to change and modify and, um, you know, think about when we're doing anything, but that's for anything in health. Like, I don't understand why we treat women as just like smaller versions of men um, rather than their own kind of species. Um, I would say that, you know, there's lots of similarities and you definitely can eat and train and fast like a man and some people do it fine. But I find that most people need some modifications mm -hmm. and is there and and so what what works for you in terms of intermittent fasting is this what you do every single day no so here's the thing anisa every in the western world people eat upwards of 15 hours a day yeah. now you and i both can know once we see that statistics that that is not normal that is not the way even 50 years ago, it was, and definitely not 100 years ago. And, you know, I grew up in, uh, first five years of my life I spent in India, and my parents, you know, didn't really have a lot of bright lights after sundown, and there was not a lot of eating going on, um, and there's no, you know, deep refrigerators and freezers that everybody pulled out their ice cream. So you can see it's a modern phenomenon, and it's really disrupting this, our cellular health, our digestive health, our brain health, our hormones. And so I say, you don't have to do it every single day. You can do something as simple as, you know what, I'm not going to eat 15 hours a day. I'm just going to eat for 12 hours a day from eight to eight or seven to seven. And that, if you call that intermittent fasting and I do, then that can be done daily. Mm, okay okay and is there and is there certain things that you completely avoid in terms of your your daily diet um certain things that you really stare away from i know there's a lot of conversations now with veganism on the increase around yes. like dairy and things yeah. like that and then you know like there's, there's my grandmother saying drink your milk every night and this i know you know and it just gets so confusing because there's so many different opinions even though they are people who are in the medical profession and you know they they know their stuff but everyone has a different opinion um, you brought up a really good point. Milk, in my culture, South Asians, we grew up with milk on a pedestal. Like it is like the God's like food. So I, I totally understand that there's so much information out there and you really have to find what's right for you. I always tell people that it's not written in stone, that perfect diet, but I will tell you that if you pick a diet that is 85 to 90% plant-based, you will be better off. Um, we look at the Mediterranean diet that's been shown in many, many epidemiological studies. It's very high in um, vegetables and fresh foods and nuts and berries and a small amount of meat and dairy. So that's kind of the diet that I think would be a nice guideline for someone who has no restrictions. Now, there are 
a good number of people who are dairy sensitive and who are gluten sensitive and who are, um, I myself am both of those. And so minimizing that or eliminating that is going to be good for you. My biggest, biggest thing I can tell anyone is number one is sugar. Like the sugar in our Western diet, if you just count it, um, will be upwards of a hundred grams, you know, a day. And if you really want to be healthy, you've got to get that way down to 50 or 25. And if you look at the kind of oils that we're eating, every time we go to a restaurant, they're cooking with vegetable oils that are literally turning into um, inflammatory particles in our body. Okay. So if you take out those two things, um, then the details of your diet matter so much less, you know? Mm, 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 mm. And another, another conversation a lot of people are having, or I, I suppose a curiosity has always been there is, you know, how to age better and how to age more gracefully. And I know, of course, we're dealing with components, I, I think in our daily lives, which always matter, like sleep, fitness, and our diet is a combination. But, um, supplements there's, there's there's so many again very confusing um i don't know if it's a matter of just really having a blood test and seeing what you're deficient in but are there certain supplements which you really recommend in terms of the aging process specifically okay let's step back for a minute there's a lot of good new science about aging about longevity um not only lifespan but also health span because what's what good is living to 110 if you're not healthy right so it's lifespan and health span and so there's been a lot of new research that when you look at a cell inside of a cell there are um, proteins and genes that can be turned on that can help with um, the aging process so if you imagine remember when we used to listen to music on um, cd players um, CDs and now a lot of people don't even know you know use CDs um, or but maybe they use DVDs for movies whatever so you put that DVD or CD player in and over time that CD gets scratched and um, the reader can't read it as well anymore and there's little blips and that's the what I would think about as aging and when you get enough scratches and blips and the big things don't start working the movie is not readable or the song is not readable. And so that's what, but what we're finding is that there's a way to fix those scratches. And our body has the capability of actually fixing those. Mm -hmm. And we have a way of turning on that process. So there's um, this pathway called the sirtuin pathway. The, the sirtuin pathway um, uses NAD, which is another uh, cofactor. These things are turned on by intermittent fasting. They're turned on by exercise. They are turned on um, by the proper nutrition. And so we're learning now, oh wait, it's like, yeah, you have to get older by the year, but if we could fix these scratches, um, we're gonna feel and look and live longer mm -hmm. even though chronologically we are aging. So what our concept of aging right now is, is pretty much being flipped upside down. 
Right. And so when you talk about supplements, okay, so now that I told you this pathway, one of these pathways, there's like four or five pathways that we've discovered recently. And of course, you know, and I know that the drug and supplement industry is like on fire right now because they're like, oh my God, we got to get NAD, we got to get sirtuin pathway, we got to trigger all these things. And, you know, which is good because there'll be lots of new research, but it's also you think about it and you're like, whenever you try to circumvent the hard work, um, you always run into problems. So what I would say is we know that fasting, intermittent fasting and long, longer fast even helps with uh, this pathway. We know that exercise, I mean, exercise is one of the biggest triggers for this pathway. We know that good nutrition is good for this pathway. And if you get those things right, all the other supplements and stuff that are coming down the line um, may help with that. But at this point, I think that we stick with the things that we know. So um, if I was saying for anti-aging, what you should supplement with, I would say that um, supplement to deficiency, meaning that if you're like most of us, um, if you are vitamin D deficient, there is so many aspects of vitamin D, hormonal, um, gut health, inflammation, that it makes sense to get your vitamin D levels up to a good amount, higher than probably what's on most people's labs, lab tests. And, um, you know, if you're someone who's plant-based completely, you should be checking your B12. It may be low. You should be checking your iron. Um, and for me, I have really, really bad, very, I mean, tragic, um, diabetes and heart disease in my family. And so I'm always thinking of ways to, reduce that. However, supplements have not been shown to help with um, this stuff. It's, you know, diabetes, you can, there's studies with metformin, at, which is a medication for diabetes, for people who don't have diabetes as a way to get the insulin levels down. But I found that if you really, really stick to the basics, the supplements are just for fixing problems here and there. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And speaking about these, these, all these different elements, as you said, is, is timing really integral to all of this? Because like we're talking about intermittent fasting, it happens in this window of time that we eat and then the period that we don't eat, our bodies you know, can rest and replenish and all of that. Um, but similarly with sleep, because there's so much studies which would say if you're really not getting enough sleep, not only is it the obvious effects and you're feeling tired and, and miserable, but um, you, you're actually not, not helping yourself in this whole aging process. 100%. I mean, um, have, you know, if you've ever heard the term beauty sleep, yeah. so there's actually some science behind it. So most people get a growth hormone surge. Growth hormone is a repair hormone that goes and repairs all the things on our skin, in our bodies, um, and that surge happens twice in the night. Once is like about an hour after you've gone to bed. So around 11 o'clock for most people on a circadian cycle. And then once again, right in the early morning, right before you wake up. So you have two surges, but the biggest one is that night. That's the beauty hour. So I actually advise people, hey, if you can fix your sleep to get a full night's sleep, and you can time it so that you're asleep by 11 o'clock, you know, that's going to really help with your growth hormone 
first. Um, of course, that's not going to override your cigarette addiction, your alcohol addiction, your uh, you know processed food, the sugar. Like you still need to get the nutrition right, but the sleep factor is going to be huge in anti-aging. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so for you personally, um, in your everyday life, are there certain non-negotiable things that you just do, you know, consistently day in, day out, um, maybe for your peace of mind or maybe specifically toward the goal of longevity or whatever it is, what would those non-negotiables be? Okay, besides the very obvious of sleep, um, I really do follow the you know, 10 to six, um, kind of sleeping pattern. Um, and then, you know, nutrition and exercise is a complete non-negotiable. There's some things that maybe people don't do or might be find interesting is, um, I have tea every day. So things with polyphenols in it, polyphenols are compounds in tea and, um, certain foods, uh, dark chocolate that are, extremely beneficial for the anti-aging process and anti-inflammatory and so and doesn't have to be any fancy tea i have um, a chai with cardamom and um, ginger which are also really really great hormonal um, gut factors and then i always have some sunlight i mean i know you're in london i'm in a today's a cloudy day you can't always get direct sun but getting some brightness in your day directly um, in nature is preferable but inside a, a room is the second best for 20 minutes a day before 10 a.m um, is going to be really great for your circadian rhythms um, so that's kind of become a non-negotiable for me if i can do it outside i do it outside but if not i can do it through the window or well you know you can you can find creative ways you can get a on my outfit that's really dark where you live um, so the tea and um, and i love at least a few times a week some kind of heat stress so heat stress saunas um, hot yoga uh, you know produces uh, something called heat shock proteins and we found that heat shock proteins actually are really beneficial in the anti-aging process um, not only does it detox you in a very natural way through sweat um, but there's some additional we think anti-aging uh, benefits mortality benefits cardiovascular benefits it's almost like as good as exercise um, for your body so those are some of my other non-negotiables and i always leave a few minutes every day uh to do some mind body work so what does that mean is like i stimulate my vagus nerve to stimulate your vagus nerve is really easy it can be through deep breaths or it can be through humming um humming that's why humming meditation is so great for the vagal nerve um prayer or getting into meditation state is really great for the vagal nerve so do something i know that there's a we know that there's a big connection between the vagus nerve, our GI tract, and our brain. And we know that people who um, constantly know how to stimulate that um, are in better health. And if you think about it, Annie, like years ago, this was part of life. Um, it's something we've forgotten in our modern world, like mm -hmm. that we don't have, they didn't call it fancy things like vagal stimulation, but they called it things like, you know, prayer or meditation or, um, some kind of breath work uh, and you know in Japan and in China um, breath work is a part of daily life in in the um, older aged people because um, they know the value of that yeah so it's almost like going back to basics I, I suppose yeah 
essentially. Yeah. So, um, and, and, and would these same things, would you be doing these things in terms of reducing stress as well? Would it be a, a, have a similar response on the body? Yeah, so, you know, I have, um, actually I just came out with it today. I have a, um, I made a little formulation called Balance and Restore because there's a few Ayurvedic herbs, vitamins, and um, uh, things that help with the stress response. Now, I know and you know that getting the stress level down is very difficult, um, you know, in our modern world especially, but also just in general, it's very, very hard to manage stress. And so sometimes there are, I like the intersection of Eastern medicine, like Ayurveda and science and making it practical for the everyday person. So that's why I like vagal nerve stimulation. That's why for stress control, I really, really love nature and sunlight. And then I like friends, like this concept of you can choose the people that are around you. You are not a victim of, oh, I have to be with this person or I have to talk to this person when you take control over the people you spend time with that has a huge effect on your own stress level so if you think of it that way there's no reason that you should be hanging out with someone because you think you have to or it's just by default you be proactive yeah. and change that um, and then the factors like vitamin d that's in my balance and restore ashwagandha which is an ancient Indian Ayurvedic herb um, that has been shown to reduce stress levels um, is very good. Amla berry, which is also Ayurvedic, um, it's also been shown um, is is adaptogen, a hormone balancer and stress reducer, and um, B vitamin. So if you really want to do all the the really hard work, the brain work, and then add these things into your diet, you can do that too. Mm, mm, absolutely. And this takes us quite nicely in terms of the next question I wanted to ask, which was just about where we are at the moment. And there's so much talk on mental health suddenly, which I don't remember being there, you know, a few days ago. I just feel like there's so much focus now on it. Yes. Um, and, and, and things like depression and anxiety and all of this is getting spoken about so much more, but also statistically, um, you know, there is evidence to suggest that it is on the increase. Um, talking a bit about that, what do you think is, is the root cause? Because I feel like we sort of mask a lot of things and, you know, we can get rid of it on surface level, but until we kind of target the core, we're not really handling the problem, um, which I think, we can say about so many things, uh, you know, habits which keep showing up in relationships as well. Um, so how do, how do you think that we really find the, the core problem in all of this? I mean, the core problem in all of this is that we don't have the tools. It's not that our lives are harder or that things have gotten more depressing or stressful. It's that we don't have the tools to bring ourselves out of that dark place. And, you know, I think what happens is we don't get taught these tools by our schools. We don't get taught these tools by our physicians. We don't get taught these schools uh, tools by the ancients, uh, you know, where people were passing down some strategies. So we're left in a place where we have no tools. We see all these people having perfect lives and we're like, why is my life so bad? But you don't realize that they have problems in their life too. We just need the tools to get out of that dark place. And so that's 
my work is not just to make you healthier uh, and so you can have a six pack. It's really to live a long, healthy, but happy life. And so when you do these things, you are, the focus really is, is that when things go awry, how do we use these things that we have in our toolbox to get us out of that place and into a place of thriving so that now we're having only two down days a month instead of seven down days a month and or more, you know? And so that's, that's really the focus of the mind-body stuff because the mind is connected to the gut and the gut is connected to your hormones and the hormones are talking to your immune system. It's all connected like that. And, and do you have for like you personally, if you're going about your day and you, you feel that sense of anxiousness or panic or do you, do you, do you notice that and recognize that in, immediately in your body? And is there something like your go-to thing that you would do at that minute to sort of just get yourself in alignment again? Yeah, um, I think that's a great question. I think that we all have those anxious moments. Um, and I think that having um, a toolkit of, you know, going back, doing all the things that you were doing before, like eating the right foods, going back to your sleeping, going back to your mindfulness, the vagal nerve, but taking a few deep breaths and taking your mind off of the burning topic at hand. Um, just like the four, seven, eight breath. Um, have you ever heard of that one? The four, seven, eight breath. It's Dr. Wiles, Andrew Wiles, integrated physician here in the U.S. His, the technique is basically four breaths in, um, hold for seven, mm. and then out for eight. So it's almost like a box breath, but you're really spending more time in the hold and the um, to really kind of relax your body for a few minutes. My, and the other thing I tell people is that remember that it's not as bad as it feels in that moment. And so if you have the opportunity to step away from the situation and come back to it when you are not in your, um, the, the reflex part of your brain, that will be better. So you know that we have two parts of our thinking. Um, there is a uh, fast and slow method. There, the fast is the the reflex, you know, you reflexively want to eat chocolate or feel a sugar when you're feeling stressed. You reflexively want to yell. Um, and because, but the slow part of your thinking is the cerebral part of your thinking where you're saying, you know what, that person, I just need to step away and let me think about it. And then I'll come back to that person. Or I just, before I make this decision, um, let me think through the options. You cannot do the slow thinking if you've already wasted all your motivation and decision power on stupid things all day. So one of the things I tell people is that protect your energy during the day. You know, don't spend, um, I don't know if you've ever heard, but psychologists really call this um, decision fatigue. And so, you know, wearing, spending all the time in the morning figuring out what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, um, you know, which path you're going to take. That's all taking away from the slow thinking power. Mm -hmm. So then when you get to a point of stress, you are already depleted and you're kind of relying on your reflexes, which is anger, which is, you know, comfort, quick comfort. Um, and so really saving that decision power for really great decisions and uh, mindful uh, decisions is, is a huge part of health too. Yeah, no, that's such a good point. And I think that, I think that all starts with awareness though, and really wanting to kind of spend time understanding 
how you react and how you do the things that you do, which not everyone is, I guess, ready to face at um, any given point of time. Yeah, um, 100%. But so there's, there's other things on the market. I mean, I think marketing with health and fitness is just huge. You know, we, we easily get sucked into these. Yes. Um, easy, yeah. Easy things like now. I know you mentioned teas, and you were talking about it from a, a very holistic point of view as well. Um, but generally, in terms of all these sort of like detox teas and like like juice cleansers and these kind of things, how effective are they in terms of actually doing the job of detoxing that they claim? Um, and what? Oh, they're completely garbage. Hundred percent. Right. 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 So what? It's what like is? What is a healthy detox in your opinion? What, what should detox really mean? Right. So these things on the market that make you poop and pee and all that stuff is like, you know, uh, as quick weight loss strategies are basically tricking your body because you're losing all this water weight and you're becoming dehydrated and you, yeah, you lose a couple pounds of it, but as soon as you start eating and drinking water, you'll be back to, and not only that, when you have diarrhea, you're washing out all these good bacteria that are supposed to be there. Like you don't want to be taking out the good bacteria because then now you're screwed because all those good bacteria went out with the stool and you're left with uh, a metabolism that's going to be even more broken. Um, so you know what detoxes our body? Sweat detoxes our body. Our liver, our kidneys um, detox our body. So supporting those things. So what I mean by liver and kidney, you know, don't drink 10 drinks a week of alcohol. Do not, you know, take ibuprofen um, or, uh, you know, medications that tax the kidney and the liver. So doing things that actually support our own detox systems, our blood, our liver, our kidneys, and our sweat glands, that's the way to go. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's, that, that's really great. I'm sure like your advice is going to be uh, doing wonders, hopefully for all the listeners. Yes. And it, it's so interesting to hear different perspectives. But going, uh, going back to you essentially and your journey and a little bit about what you do do you feel like with anything in terms of when you were starting out when you were initially driven to do the things you do was it was it um was the major incentive kind of like the the, the impact that you do get to have on people's lives or was it sort of um i guess more from a, a point of view of getting to do the work that you get to do was it more sort of like selfish ambition because I find yeah. from, from talking to people that it, there's a point where that changes where initially I think people are very ambitious for the sake of being ambitious but then it the why sort of changes and becomes actually more about the work that they're doing and who they're affecting and was it the same for you yeah I mean, I will be honest with you I can make three times, five times more money being a doctor doing traditional medicine in America as a specialist and prescribing things and doing tests and um, doing what, you know, I essentially was trained uh, to do. So when I decided to make the switch, it, it had to be very clear to me that this was going to be a path that was outside of monetary ambition, right? This was going to be, yes, I, I don't want to be 
85 and think to myself, what did I contribute that was new? When I was going through my journey, all I kept thinking is, I need to like tell other people what that this is working, that what I read about or what I learned, because I have, I've worked in a lab and I know how these cells work and I know which one is real and which one is not. And I just knew that that was the right path for me. I just didn't know how to get there. Um, and so I'm so thankful of, because there's no path um, for a physician or anyone really um, to say, okay, I have some answers. I have some things that I think can help you, but I don't know how to tell you except for doing it one by one in the clinic. And so I'm so thankful for social media. I'm so thankful that I've gotten in the last just a few years, got the opportunity to share this with more people because I think it can change people's lives. Um, mm -hmm. And that's really the motivation behind this all. Yeah, no, of course. And what, what is left? What more is left? What more is it that you want to do that's on your heart that sort of your, your driving force and, 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 and the direction that you're going in now? Are there things that are really on your heart to, to do this year or in the next five years? Yeah. Um, so my new book, I just submitted my manuscript for my first book. It's called Why the F Am I So Tired? So why the F are we so tired? And, you know, you can imagine that so many women, I think, will benefit from reading about this toolkit to say, yeah, I'm tired too, but nobody ever told me what to do. They just told me to drink more caffeine or, you know, oh, you're a mom or, oh, you're a working person. And so you're getting older or whatever. And so I hope that it will make such an impact that people will say, you know what, I use some of these tools and now I feel like I can do more. And what more can we do to, you know, really push women into the forefront? Because a lot of women take a step back um, from their, you know, life's mission because they feel exhausted or they feel like they can't handle it all or they feel like um, overwhelmed or depressed or anxious or all these things. So this is my way of saying, hey, I want to help all of us move forward because the more people that move forward, the more people can pull other people forward. And um, so that's my long-term vision um, for all of this. And is there, is there one piece of advice that you could give to people? I mean, listening to this, listening to this conversation, and obviously we spoke about the different, different elements in order to be almost in like the best position you could possibly be in. Um, but for somebody listening who is just like, oh my God, okay, I have all this information, but what would be that first step? How do I start? And then how am I able to just keep consistently uh, going towards my goals? Because I think for a lot of people who are driven naturally and motivated, it's very different because you can drive yourself. But for others, it's like, I can't drag myself to the gym every day. I can't cook every day. Um, so is there any tips that you could give to, to somebody listening? Yeah, um, that's why I think I've gained so much traction on this intermittent fasting idea because intermittent fasting is something that's free, mm -hmm. that's easy, um, that you can start today um, with just stopping your meals um, 12 hours before your next meal. And you start with there, start there. Just start with today, 12 hours, you know, leave today and say, oh, I'm going to just take a break. And then it's all starts to kind of 
um, you know, it's layers. So you start doing that. Then you say, you know, during these 12 hours, I should eat more vegetables because I, I want to do good for my gut. And then you might say, you know, I stopped eating. I might as well go to bed because, you know, I'm not going to get the full growth hormone if I don't go to bed and I don't really have snacks. So let me just go to bed. That's the best thing about intermittent fasting, by the way, is like, you just want to go to bed early so because <laughs> you're like trying to like sleep more so you can miss all those hours of eating. Um, so just start, just start. The biggest thing is paralysis, is information paralysis. I say start with that and then move on from there. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Well, it was so wonderful talking to you, Amy. Thank you so much for being on the show. I loved it. Thank you so much, Annie. And I can't wait to share it with everyone. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, same, likewise. So fun. And that's the end of another episode on Unplug with Annie. Thank you for listening into the series of Drive. Tune in every Sunday and stay updated with everything Unplug on our IG page and Facebook page, Unplug with Annie.